Blog Talk Radio. What up, what up, what up, Direct Snap fans, and welcome to another live edition of the Direct Snap. And boy, do we have an awesome show lined up for you tonight, guys. For the first time ever on the Direct Snap, it'll be just me and David West tonight, but we're doing a full first-round live unscripted mock draft uh, that will be starting, honestly, probably in the next half hour. We're going to keep the... The beginning portion of the show, light and quick. We want to make sure we can get through the entire thing tonight, guys. Uh, if you want to give us a call and give us uh, your idea on our picks or maybe a pick of your own, we'll take some guest picks. Then we have 714-333-3302. Get us up on Facebook, facebook.com backslash the official direct snap. And don't forget Twitter. I'll you to tweet us. Send us some love. Twitter, our handle is at direct underscore snap. Uh, but uh, as always, guys, as uh, we've had for the off season, it's just me and my boy David West. How you doing tonight, Dave? I'm doing wonderful, Joe. Thanks for asking. We're 35 days away from draft day, believe it or not, and exactly 30 minutes. Of- oh, oh man, I cannot wait! I cannot wait for the draft. It's going to be an interesting one. It's going to be an exciting one. Um, a little bit different than what we've seen in years past. No true solidified, can't not take this guy number one overall pick this year. Um, quarterback class, obviously, as we've discussed several times on the show, <coughs> excuse me, is up in the air. Um, just a lot of a lot of different values throughout the positions in this year's in this year's draft class. But we will get to that in a little bit, guys. We are going to hit you with a little bit of news notes. Uh, the, you know, the typical stuff that we always give you when you join the direct snap. Um, biggest news pretty much out of today, guys, Robert Griffin III signs with the Cleveland Browns. Um, head coach Hugh Jackson reportedly a large factor in Griffin's decision to come to Cleveland and play in the dog pound. Uh, all right, Dave, real quick. You like it, love it, hate it. What's your opinion on RG3 of Cleveland? I am lukewarm on it. I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of it. They already have a lot of quarterbacks there that have just kind of off the the field, and, you know, they haven't really done much of anything. I I think he will be great competition. Uh, that goes forward to what I'm going to be talking about later with the, the draft. We'll explain the rules about the, our little mock draft here in a little bit. But uh, I just think that I'm lukewarm on it. I think uh, they paid a little way too much for him just for for a guy I feel like that needs to prove it. They pay, they went way out of their way to pay that. So I'm lukewarm on it. I think it's good. But at the same time, they did too much. I'll agree with you on a money standpoint. Um, I found it interesting. Two things. Two things I found interesting. The first thing that I found interesting is that it was a two-year deal um, for a guy who went from being the NFL's it, the it guy, the poster boy, to very quickly becoming injured, missing large portions of the season, being benched in favor of the fourth-round draft pick um, that was drafted the same year. You know, he he took a large and swift fall from grace. And I guess that's why the two-year deal surprised me, you know, 
We've seen a lot of prove-it deals this offseason. We've seen a lot of them in the form of a one-year deal with a team option. And I guess that's what surprised me the most about this particular deal is that they did not go that particular route where, you know, if, you know, if you're successful, we can bring you back on what we find to be a bargain. Um, if you're not successful, we can cut ties, not deal with, the, you know, the cap hit and the drama or whatever may surround the situation. So, to me, that was the biggest thing that stood out to me. Of, I agree. You know, it was a lot of money, a two-year deal, $15 million can be worth more than that. I know that much. Um, a lot of people said they felt the the contract or the deal used in terms of negotiating this was the Chase Daniel deal with Philadelphia, and I have to agree. Uh, Chase got $21 million over three years, about an average of roughly $7 million a year. Griff, about an average of seven and a half, two year $15 million. Um, so with how contracts are in the NFL, I get it, but I agree uh, in terms of money. I am a little bit hotter on it, I would say, I guess, than you are. I think that, you know, he's got a decent offensive line there. You know, they did lose some pieces this year. They'll have to try to replace. Um, but expectations are low, and that's huge. Um, and I know that sounds kind of kind of backwards, but giving him to come in and not have to be the guy, not have to be the franchise savior, not have to be the the all, you know, the all – end all be all for this team. You know, he's brought in to to try to be a reclamation project. You know, the expectations are he, he could not do any better than what he just did and if he doesn't, oh well. But I think that's something that is good for Griffin. I think Hugh Jackson's a great coach, smart guy. Um the last two years he's worked with Andy Dalton. He's he's improved each year. Andy Dalton was the best year of his career last year while he was still there. Um, Hugh did a phenomenal job when he was in Oakland uh, that one season. He just got fired prematurely. You know, that team was terrible. And the fact that he got him to 500 was astounding. Um, but that being said, I I don't know. I don't, this is one of those deals that you can't really say, oh, that's a you know, perfect fit. He's going to do great. Or, oh, that's terrible. He's going to do awful. This is actually one of those deals that we're going to really have to watch it play out literally. Um and see how he does in Cleveland, see maybe what kind of competition has, that he may have. Like they said, we'll talk about here in a little bit with the draft. Um, but that's pretty much your big news out of today um, that happened. Some other things, though, guys, we saw the Pats sign wide receiver Nate Washington. Quiet but solid signing there. Such a, such a Patriot signing. I'm so sick of saying that. Um <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, though, guys, also does put, put uh, Josh McCown on the trade block. Um, in my opinion, I don't get why. I, if I'm an NFL team across the board, I don't trade for him. Um, why? Because you're trading for a backup, and you probably already have one of those. So, in my opinion, a lot of these, the Browns aren't going to see a lot of uh, return on McCown. If they do, it is going to come from one desperate franchise, and I don't even want to – even take a guess at who might do something like that. So we're just going to move on. Uh, we're going to not talk about Cleveland anymore. That was just the Cleveland portion of the show. Um, that being said, though, guys, it's been pretty quiet. We hit that portion of free agency where once you'll start to see a few names here and there. Philadelphia Eagles signed former Giants receiver Ruben Randall to a one-year, $1 million deal in base salary. 
500000 guaranteed. The contract can be worth with incentives up to over $3 million. Um, I found this signing to be interesting. In my opinion, this is directly a competition now for a roster spot between Givens and Ruben Randall. Um, Givens, obviously, a little bit more of that stretch to field style, but I feel that Philadelphia already has that in guys like Josh Huff, guys like Nelson Aguilar. I think a guy like Ruben Randall would serve the team a little bit better, a guy built a little bit more like Jordan Matthews, built for a West Coast offense and being able to get open in space quickly, catch the ball and break some tackles. Um, but Ruben's always been a little, a little bit lazy. So we'll, we'll see. What do you think? How do you like the, the Randall to Philly fit? I think it's a pretty good fit. You know, they've always suffered, and Joe, you can speak up on this if I'm wrong. But for some reason – that they have their playmaker, and then they usually have their big body guys. And after that, it just—it seems like it's a fit. It's a fit that you know, Jordan Matthews isn't the fastest guy, but he's got great—you um, know—big catch radius. The guy that's going to fight for yardage. This is the same thing that you know, Rubel Randall can provide. He could bring to the table as a number two receiver. But, you know, I think it's a good match. You know, you need to get more weapons. He's proven. He's been in the division. Uh, I like the sign. Now, you know, again, he's a little bit high, but, you know, I can't – I'm not the team of that team. I'm not Howie. So, you know, it is what it is. I think it's a good sign. I think it's a good thing to rebuild that team and give, you know, Bradford some weapons to work with. Yeah, I, I see, I agree. And I, I feel like, honestly, I don't know what it is, but I feel like I've been tapped into the mind of Howie Roseman this offseason. Um, I've been very in tune. I've been very in check with the Eagles this year. I feel like they, I've called nearly almost 80 85% of the things they've done or would have done this offseason, maybe not down specifically to the T. But, I mean, Dave, you and I talked about it. I said on uh, numerous times over the offseason, you know, veteran free agent wide receiver like Ruben Randall. I mean, I, I know I said it multiple times. Uh, it, it just made sense. You just drafted a guy. You drafted a guy the year before that. Jordan's developed well. Nelson really struggled last year. Huff has just not gotten the opportunity. So why go and draft another one high? It just didn't make sense to me. To me, it made sense to bring in a guy who can compete, who's a veteran, like you said. He knows the division. Um, you know, he has that ability. Last year he finished with a career-high eight touchdowns, so he's, he's, he's a guy who's a threat to take it to the house. Um, and I think that, like you said, you know, just he's a little bit more like Jordan, and I think that's a good thing because we have uh, Aguilar, because we have Josh Huff, who I think needs to be put into the slot more. So when I look at it, to me, when you sign a guy like Chris Gibbons, you're pretty much asking these two guys to go at it with their specific skill strength and deciding who's going to overall contribute more to your team. And when I look at it, I feel like Ruben Randall's the guy. And we might even keep both, but it's going to be hard to feed all those targets. And I just feel like a guy like Randall can contribute more to the offense. He's a better fit, um, especially with this, you know, a little bit more of the West Coast coming back with Doug Peterson and everything. I, I was excited about the signing. I really liked it. I I think it could be a really, really sneaky signing if um, if everybody can stay healthy this year. So I was a pretty big fan of it personally. Um, but what do you say, Dave? You just want to jump right into this? 
Are you speaking about the the mock draft or something else? The mock draft. Um, there's one more thing I wanted to um, bring up, and before we move into this, I think it's going to be exciting. Uh, and I'm going to tell this to Drex Snap family that you might be a first time listener. This might be the first season you listen to. When I first came on to the Drex Snap, Tyler and Joe, and we miss you, Tyler. Um, I'm I'm the new guy on board, but we miss you, Tyler. We hope you come back soon. So, but anyway, that these guys did a full. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Y'all did a full seven round mock draft over the course of like four days or four episodes, right? Yes, sir. And I think that's just insane. But do <laughs> the mock draft, and you know, we'll be doing a lot of draft stuff coming up, I'm sure, in the next few weeks. So we've got about a, we've got a month and five days until the draft. I'm pumped, Joe, and I know we both are. Josh Norman, I just read something a few minutes ago, and Pro Football, um, NBC Pro Football was talking about that Josh Norman might be holding out in OTAs to get a new contract. Do you buy or sell? I mean, do you go after a guy with Josh Norman? How much money is he asking for? Is he trying to be, you know, the highest paid corner in the league, or does he just want a comfortable deal to where he can prove it that, you know, he's that guy? And, Joe, I'm still trying to get him on the direct snap for an exclusive. So uh, it's in the works, but I'm trying. I This is tough. Um, I'm a big fan of Josh Norman's game. Um I think he physically plays the game very well. They do play the cover, too. Um, that doesn't knock his skills. It just – he does get assistance. There's a lot of – I guess what I'm saying is there's a lot of talent across this defense. So, I can't, in my opinion, say that I think he deserves to be selfish about his contract. You know, you look at this team, you look at the building blocks, it's similar to a Seattle. It's similar to a Seattle that won the Super Bowl because they have a a very young and growing defense that's becoming very dominant. Um, They have an incredible quarterback who's incredibly athletic, incredibly gifted, an intelligent kid on the field and off the field. Cam doesn't really get himself in trouble. Um, and there's a lot of guys that are going to ask for money. You know, Cam got his. There's going to be more. Keith Lee got paid. Obviously, Norman wants to get it. They have good good, uh, good offensive linemen. They have Calvin Benjamin, who's going to be coming back in already into his third season of his rookie deal. You know, when you start getting, you know, these younger players, Tony Ely, you know, a lot of these guys, there's a, a point where you have to look at Kwan Short. He's going to command a ton of money when he's a free agent uh, for how well he's he started to come on. That I don't – I just you know how I feel about holding out. You know how I feel about contracts, like the, the size of them. I think Josh Norman deserves to be a top three, top four pay cornerback, absolutely. Um, but here's my issue. You got guys like Byron Maxwell making $63 million. You got guys like Janoris Jenkins making $62 million. There's no doubt in my mind. That, that Norman is far better than Maxwell, and he's definitely a little bit better than Jenkins. But then you're talking about literally paying $13, 15 $17 million a year for a cornerback. 
those are numbers that used to only be reserved for your quarterback. And then maybe like that one or two game-changing offensive or defensive skill position players. So it just to me, I hate hearing, you know, I'm going to hold out. To me, that, that bugs me. This, you know, you are only one member of this team. They can and will function without you. They would just prefer not to. So it, I don't think the report is true. I think this team is a very cohesive unit. I think that, you know, maybe he's discussed it. Maybe they discussed it because he said, you know, I'm in no hurry to sign the franchise tag. I just think maybe he feels very optimistic with this team that they will get something done. That's what I hope. I think he deserves to be a top five paid corner, but you also have to, in this day and age of the NFL salary cap, if you want to stay competitive, as we've seen with, again, I'm so sick of saying it, but the New England Patriots, you have to have guys who are willing to be selfless and not take the money or take it in different forms because you stay healthy or, you know, in the bonuses. We've seen Tom Brady rework his contract. I think literally 10 of the last 12 seasons to open up cap room for the Patriots. And a lot of times he makes more money by changing his contract because he believes in himself and is able to do what he knows he can do. And that's what I would like to see. So it's scary though, man. Imagine, I mean, what do you think? How do you feel about it? Do you think he's a potential to hold out? Do you think that it's just, it's just, you know, because he hasn't signed the franchise tag that people are starting to say this? What do you think? You know, personally, I think that, you know, obviously I've known about Josh for a long while. He almost came on my radio show back in college before he was this, you know, superstar. Uh, I've talked to Josh a little bit over the last um, year or two. I really think that with this situation, I don't know if Josh is worried about the team not stepping up to the plate to re-sign him or that he's more worried about, you know, this being one and done kind of deal because that's the player's worry that, you know, they come up on a contract here, they don't perform, then it's, you know, done, and then their career's not. Guys like Josh Norman, yeah, he had a phenomenal year, but guys like that don't go away. I'm thinking if the team says we're committed to you for the future, we will talk contract throughout the year, then I'm thinking he'll be more likely to come to OTAs participate with the team. I'm thinking this guy knows in the back of his mind between his agent and himself and the franchise that they're committed to him that there shouldn't be any worrying about it. Now, if he said, I'm going to hold out OTAs and they're like, we're not talking about contracts until the end of 2016. It's very well possible that Josh Norman could hold out until you know, the first game of the year. And that, that could affect certain things. You know, we've seen players in the past that obviously don't deserve $75, million. They hold out and they get their change. And then guess what? They're correct at the end of the year. It's like, well, you asked for $85 million. You only played like a $15 million guy. We're going to cut you. And then everyone knows that you're not worth that anymore. So you kind of have to gauge it and be really careful as a player. I think that a player – they're an $85 million man, more than likely they're about a $50 million man. Or if they're a $15 million man, they're likely probably a $7 million man. Guys over-evaluate themselves all the time. And, you know, if you're a player, you're going to walk up to the GM and, you know, hopefully 
saying, you know, I want to be part of this franchise. Give me a reasonable offer that's not going to undercut me because Josh Norman is definitely not worth the money he's working playing for now. But if I know what Josh Norman might be thinking, that he's like, I want to become the highest paid corner in the NFL because he's a top five corner, obviously. Where will he take that money? I don't know. So my advice to Josh Norman, if he's listening to the direct snap and if I get him on an interview, hopefully, I'm going to try to convince him again to see if he can get on the direct snap. That would be huge for us to get him on the direct snap. We've had guys like Lane Johnson and a few prospects this year, so it's not a secret that we get some good talent here on the direct snap um, every once in a while. Josh, you know, think about how much you're worth. Now, don't think about money, for say. Think about actually how much you're worth. If you think you're worth $75 million, you're probably worth 50 I'm just shaving numbers off because that's usually how it is. Guys overplay themselves, and then they get themselves stuck in a hole. If you don't live up to that contract number, you're going to be out. And then everyone knows he's not worth this. That's my advice. That's how I feel. So I was going to say, do you think that this could be a Cam Chancellor situation where he holds out and then you see him come back anywhere in the first quarter of the season? Very possible, um, you know, particularly with what Carolina's considering in the draft. I think I've nailed down what they're going to be doing. There's quite a possibility that they're going to be relying on, you know, some vets and um, their draft pick um, in the secondary. Spoilers. Uh, I don't think, wait a minute. Actually, that's my pick. So if he's still on the board at the time we pick here in the next few minutes when we start this mock draft, uh, it's very well possible Josh Norman could hold out and there's going to be a lot of expectations on their first-round pick. So it's very well possible, Jeff. <clears throat> Oh, man. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. We see this kind of stuff every year, though, so we'll see. I hope he doesn't. I hope they can they can get something done, um, but it'll be interesting. You know, contracts are just getting higher and higher, and it's getting absolutely insane. All right, guys, it's time. We got about an hour five left. We're definitely going to have to go kind of quick here, which will be interesting, because remember, this is live, unscripted. We have not discussed any selection. For this draft, we decided about four hours ago to throw this together for you guys tonight. We just wanted to do an awesome show. We felt like it. You guys deserved it. Um, we felt like you know it would just be something really fun to do tonight. So we're gonna get right to it. All right, let's, let's break it down for you. We're gonna go snake. We're gonna go me, Dave, me, Dave, all the way from one to thirty-one. Um, there are we each. Each one of us has a trade token. That means we get to both make one trade if we so desire within the first round of this draft. Um, if I attempt to trade with him, you know, he, if he doesn't like my terms, he doesn't have to accept it. Uh, if I choose between two teams, I'll obviously break down my trade or his trade and so on and so forth. All right, guys, this is going to be awesome. If you want to call in, give us a shout, 714-333-3302. Uh, we're going to be starting at 1, going to 31, like I said, just like your traditional draft. Um, hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com backslash the official direct snap where I will be posting the results of tonight's mock draft, folks. So if you miss it or if you can't catch it, we will be putting up our direct snap mock 1.0 tonight via me and Dave. Gosh, it's going to be so much fun. All right, guys. So I'm going to start off here with number one overall. And if you, unless you've been under a rock, um, you should know that that's the Tennessee Titans. Um, 
definitely an interesting situation here for the Titans. They they have already said that it would require a King's Ransom to move up. They proved that last year with Philadelphia um, when they wouldn't take anything from Marcus Mariota. Granted, a different situation here a little bit when you're not looking at taking your franchise-changing quarterback. Um, but you look at the needs for the Titans, and there's a decent amount of them. Um, they, need, they have needs among the offensive line, defensive line, uh, linebacking core, secondary, uh, safety after cutting Michael Griffin is definitely a glaring need. So they, they're pretty much in a position to do what they feel is the best franchise-changing move for your team. And this is where I look at the board. I look at what I want to do, what, what we've done as the Titans in the offseason. And as much as I love the other guy, I have to go in my heart with a smarter pick here. And I'm going to take Laramie Tunsil, tackle out of Ole Miss. Um, he's undoubtedly a little bit better than the rest of the class in terms of physical on-field production as a tackle. Um, you know, there is a little bit of that that character concern, but I think hopefully the, the combine and interviews and the pre-draft process has wrapped that up for Laramie. Um, and to me, you look at – you got Marcus Mariota. You now acquired DeMarco Murray. Um, you, you do have some talent along that offensive line. It's time to shift. Oh, my gosh. Why am I going to go and forget the tackle that they just took? The Laramie Tunsil? <laughs> no, the one that they already have. And they took it 10 a few years ago, the year before, Marcus. Oh, you're talking Michigan. about um, – uh, oh, man. Joe, right bad. This is terrible. We're both terrible right now. Anyway, um, yeah, take Laramie Tunsil. You're going to slide him over to right where he's more of a natural fit. I know you probably don't believe me because I can't even say his name right now, but that's not the point. Um, the point is, is I think that Tunsil protects your franchise investment of Marcus Mariota. It also helps open lanes for your newly acquired expensive tailback to Marco Murray. And with that, you now move on, and we have the number two selection here, Dave, Cleveland Browns. Uh, obviously, they talked about quarterback all offseason, but they just signed Robert Griffin III. Um, but that doesn't change maybe for you. We'll see. But the Cleveland Browns are on the clock, man. What do you got? Uh, Cleveland Browns, you know, they're a tough franchise to figure out. Some have deemed they have the least talented roster in the NFL uh, you know, you need a guy that's going to be a proven winner, a guy that's been productive. Taylor Taylor Lewan was the guy you were thinking of, Joe. Thank just you. Thank you. I was just kidding. <laughs> Book can Taylor Lewan and Laramie Tunsil, Tunsil at right tackle. Uh, I'm going to go with Carson Wentz from North Dakota, uh, North Dakota State, just because uh, this is something I talked about before, before Paxton Lynch kind of took a fall. Uh, Carson Wentz has checked off all the boxes. He's been a phenomenal interviewer, great um, guy in the locker room. He had a phenomenal pro day. Uh, you know, lots of scouts are saying that's the best pro day they've seen in years with a quarterback, even better than Andrew Luck. That's saying something. So, you know, the Cleveland Browns need a proven winner, and Carson Wentz is the guy. They select him second overall, third overall. We are going back to Joe. I know it's a little soon. But Joe is on the board with the San Diego Chargers. Put the San Diego Chargers here. And the first thing that I look at here at the Chargers is the possibility to move down. 
Um, but looking at who's still available, who's still on the board, I think the choice is rather simple. Uh, but to break down the needs real quick of the Chargers, they need a little bit of help among the offensive line. They could definitely use a bookend. They could also use a little bit of help at wide receiver. Even though they signed Travis Benjamin and they have Keenan Allen, they, they've they struggled to stay healthy, Keenan Allen has at least. Um, they could also use help at the edge position on defense and, of course, the secondary. And when I look at the board here from the Chargers, I go sprinting to the podium to select Jalen Ramsey, safety out of Florida State University, um, arguably the best player in this draft, period, not just offense, not just defense, potentially the best player that could come out of this draft class, definitely the best athlete out of this draft class. They just let go of Eric Weddle. Granted, yes, it was ugly, but they can transition quickly, make fans forget about that that ugly wound by slapping a nice Band-Aid on it, what I think is future Pro Bowl safety Jalen Ramsey out of Florida State University. I think he checks off all the boxes of, of, of a guy that you want on defense in terms of being an impact player. Uh, athletic, he's got a great uh, instinct for the game. He's a ball hawk. He's aggressive. He does struggle a little bit with tackling sometimes. Um, he definitely will be a guy that will be a little bit more focused on being that center fielder, but I think he'll be able to, to, to improve his technique and become a dominant safety at the next level. So that being said, um, you know, we've gone so far, we've gone tackle, quarterback, safety, interesting, but following a pretty common trend here, we go to the Dallas Cowboys here, Dave, and they've got, hmm, they got plenty of needs. So let's see where you go with the Dallas Cowboys on the clock. Well, there's so many different positions. I'm going to pull a Mike Mayock card here real quick. They have so many needs that, you know, they need an overhaul. Well, that's something Mayock would say. Um, you know, there's so many directions they could go. They could use a running back like Ezekiel Elliott. They could get a pass rusher after Hardy has been, you know, dismissed and gone on the free agent. Joey Bosa would be a great pick here. You could go Miles Jack, a great linebacker. You could go another pass rusher. You could go um, even quarterback here and get Jared Goff. You could get a wide receiver, someone to pair with. Um, even Des Bryant had mentioned something about wanting, you know, Jalen Ramsey, who just got drafted a second ago. So, um, Des Bryant's over there like, why? Um, the next great charger, Jalen Ramsey. But with the fourth overall pick, uh, here comes Roger Goodell to the podium. The Dallas Cowboys select Ohio State defensive end, Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa with the pass rush ability. They need to continue to build – that defensive lineup, particularly, you know, they have a lot of issues there now. Uh, two pass rushers absent, you know, Randy Gregory with his troubles. Uh, they need a guy. Bosa has an edge. I think after he gets to the league, he can calm down, maybe turn into that Jared Allen type. We've talked about this on the direct snap several times, his ceiling, his floor. I think Joey Bosa is going to have a struggling rookie season. After he gets going, Joey Bosa will be fine. The Jaguars are on the clock. Ooh, that, my friend, was an interesting selection. We've seen it a few times, but, you know, when you look at the board, like you said, it could be hard for them to to pass on the guy like Ezekiel Elliott, and that's where I thought you were first going when you said Ohio State. Um, but you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars here, and, and again, yes, not only are they in the top ten, but they're in the top five. 
Um, but I think this could be one of the last years we see that happen. That being said, there's a lot of different ways the Jags could go here. You know, they do have a lot of needs still. They could definitely still bolster the offensive line. Um, they got Dante Fowler. They got Malik Jackson. But there's no eh, – a wise man once told me you can never have too many pass rushers, and that is a fact. So, obviously, you could go, you know, with somebody like DeForest Buckner. You just you just took Joey Bosa, so that makes it a little bit different. Um but they also need help in the secondary, and there's still a guy like Vernon Hargreaves, you know, went to University of Florida up in, up in North Florida to just move over just a little bit over to Jacksonville and be that state star. So there's a lot of different directions that the Jaguars could go here. They have a lot of different needs. But to me, there's just, you know, like I said about the San Diego Chargers, when I look at the board and I see who's available, I'm sprinting if I find the guy turning the card to Roger Goodell. Hey. Ah, Roger Goodell here, and uh, for me, with the number five selection overall in the 2016 NFL Draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Miles Jack, linebacker UCLA. Miles Jack is arguably, along with Jalen Ramsey, the best athlete in this draft class. Um, he could potentially pay, play two or three different positions on the defense. He could even sub in every once in a while on off just to throw teams off if he really wanted to. He's that athletic. But when I look at this, he get, you know, if you look at what the, the Jaguars have done in free agency, like I said, signed Malik Jackson. They signed Prince of Mukamara. They signed Tashaw Gibson. They've, they've really bolstered a lot of positions. Offensively, they, they signed Kelvin Beecham to shore up, try to shore up as long as he's healthy, that offensive line. But the one place they didn't really touch is linebacker. And we look at Kelvin Smith, a guy who, you know, I'll even say it, Tyler called it, a guy that Tyler loved from the day he, he started watching him and said, you know, this kid's going to be a good linebacker. You pair that ultra-athletic linebacker with a guy like Miles Jack, you're talking about one of the most dynamic duos in all of football. So I think it, the, the opportunity to pass up on that and really shore up every level of the defense with the, the best players available, Miles Jack fits that to me, and he fits the knee, he fits the BPA, and the Jaguars get an absolute steal here at number five, being able to just purely take the BPA in their opinion. Um, but all right, Dave, that, that leaves the Baltimore Ravens on the clock here at number six overall, an unfamiliar position for Ozzie Newsome. Where do you think him and the Ravens go? Well, it was definitely a great pick at number five. The Jaguars have got a pro bowler type guy that's going to be around for a while. I, and I'll tell you, if Miles Jack was still on the board, there was going to be an instant trade um, between one of your teams and one of mine. I don't know if you would have agreed to the deal, but, you know, it was going to be the Dolphins trading up with the Ravens, but that's not going to happen. Um, they're staying put. But the Ravens are on the clock. They're not accepting trade offers. They are going up to the podium. They have found their new Chris McAllister and Vernon Hargreaves, Ooh. Um, a pretty fair comparison, too. Um, Chris McAllister, obviously, wow. Ravens to play in a while. They need offensive line help, but Ozzy always does it. Ozzy the Wizard does a great job of finding offensive linemen in the mid-rounds, and this is where they get their corner they've been looking for. Vernon Hargreaves from Florida, a guy that, you know, has moved up boards, checking off boxes just like Ramsey. Ramsey's kind of in his own class, but Vernon Hargraves has definitely been moving up boards fast. Um, considering that the Ravens have looked at him hard, um, they've looked at a lot of different ways to improve that secondary. 
Hargreaves is the guy they want. They think he's going to be the answer at the corner position. Jimmy Smith hasn't quite been the guy they hoped. So Vernon Hargreaves from Florida has, you know, they did bring him in for a private workout. I'm not making this stuff up. So it's a match. They do have interest. So let's go to number seven overall to the San Francisco 49ers with Chip Kelly's new regime. Oh, my goodness. This draft, I I feel like a lot of teams have overlooked the need at corner still for the Ravens, Dave. So I have to say that might be my favorite pick in this entire draft so far, Vernon Hargreaves, and maybe my favorite comparison in this draft of Vernon Hargreaves to Chris McAllister, a corner that I absolutely love. Um, So absolutely, that was was amazing. Um, You look at seven, though, 49ers, and hmm, you guys think that I would probably be good at this, right, because it's Chip Kelly, former Eagles. No, the man is insane. There's no way to tell what he's thinking at any time. Um, When you look at the situation to me, I've been steadfast in saying that I don't think – if they keep Colin Kaepernick, I don't think they draft a quarterback in the first round. And I'm going to stick to that. And I'm going to maybe surprise some people. Um, but when you look at the needs for the Niners, it's pretty much everything. Line, wide receiver, quarterback, defensive line, linebacker, cornerback, safety. And you look at what's available, if you don't love your quarterback, if you're not in love with him, and I don't see a guy like Jared Goff being preferred by Chip Kelly over Colin Kaepernick, I look at the board, I see who's gone, you know, I was hoping that Miles Jack would be there for me at number seven due to the injury, or maybe a Joey Bosa. Um, so there's two guys I'm looking at here, Dave. That's DeForest Buckner of Oregon, obviously the ties there. Uh, one of the best defensive players in this draft. Um, but there's also one other guy that I'm looking at that's actually tackle Ronnie Stanley. Um, and, you know, he could come and play right away in the other region. Again, Notre Dame player. He's got uh, insider access to this kid with his brother being the coach at Notre Dame. Um, whew, this is honestly one of the tougher selections that I've had because obviously I got the Eagles picking next. Uh, that, that weighs on my mind, wondering what, what direction you're thinking about going there. Um, and honestly, if I'm Chip Kelly, I don't really want them to get the, the better of the player. Um, but honestly, I really feel that, oh, my gosh, I don't know. This is tough. Oh, why? This, this isn't stumping me, but this is definitely one of the harder picks that I've come to with how this is broken down. Um hmm. Honestly, no, I think I've got a cave. I think I do got a cave. I think I'm going to go to quarterback Jared Goff because they, and let me explain why. They, if Anthony Davis comes out of retirement and he has to fill out his contract, he's going to play tackle for the Niners. Um, that being said, you look at DeForest Buckner, I think that that would be a really good selection here, and he would pair well with Eric Armstead, but that being said, he's essentially a better version of Eric Armstead. Um, so uh, who's a little bit more multicast, definitely more dominant. Um, but it was hard for me to justify feeling like Stanley could come in and play right away with Chip. I also feel like Chip, you know, offensive line was in need for the last two years under him, and he ignored the guard positions and everything, so I don't know how much 
you know, obviously he took Lane Johnson, but that was a pretty obvious pick at that current point. And I think if Dion Jordan had been there, he'd have taken Dion over Lane any day of the week. But your Dolphins traded up and didn't make that possible. Um, so, yeah, I think that when you look at value and, I guess, just insurance on whether or not Cap plays or plays well, uh, I guess, yeah, I guess I'm going to go Jared Goff. You got to count. Uh, that being said, Philadelphia Eagles on the clock, Dave. Don't let me down. Oh, man, this is a really tough pick. And just a little hint that San Francisco is looking at some top flight corners. Oh, uh, they've looked at guys like Alexander. They've looked at guys like Eli Apple. Um, just, just throwing that out there next time we do this mock draft thing. Uh, they are looking at some top flight corners, I don't think. Uh, well, Jared Goff, obviously, yes. Um, we talked about Jared Goff um, in inbox earlier today. It was pretty interesting. We were trying to do the comparison thing, which is never easy, but I think I do a pretty good job trying to find the guys that aren't necessarily thought of right away. But let's move on, since I'm on the clock, with Joe's Philadelphia Eagles new regime. You know, offensive linemen. Obviously, offensive line was a troubling thing last year. Obviously, last year that corner wasn't quite what we had wanted or what you had wanted. Um, I really think that Philly is taking a hard look at a corner here, but also I'm thinking they're looking at an offensive lineman. And I'm thinking that he's still sitting there and you need offensive line help. I'm going to go with Ronnie Stanley from Notre Dame, offensive tackle. He can play either O-tackle or he can swing inside to play guard. I think this guy it fits really well. He's technically sound. He uses his hands very well. I like the pick. I think that it will put, you know, the person even in the future to succeed, even if, you know, Bradford's not the guy that they build this offensive line up. They've got, you know, some great guys around that group. But they continue to build that offensive line up. I think in the second round uh, that they will grab a corner, maybe, you know, do something else. But with the eighth overall pick, the Philadelphia Eagles select Ronnie Stanley, offensive lineman, offensive guard, offensive tackle from Notre Dame. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are on the clock. Joe, if you want to talk about my pick, go for it. I honestly, I like it, and I like the like – I was talking to Tyler about it the other day. I would like Stanley – and a lot of people question whether or not he could swing into guard better than guys like Jack Conklin, um, et cetera. I think that, you know, I think he, I think he can do it. I think he's slender enough that he could slide inside. Um, but that being said, he can also bulk up. He can, he's at a rare ability to do something, you know, lean whatever direction he wants to lean in physically with his body. He's lean enough to be able to pack on the muscle or to, to stay right where he's at. And not only that, but I, I've i seen, you know, Peters is still good, but the health's declining, and I feel like the passion, you know, and he could, yeah, don't get me wrong, I don't blame him if he wanted to tell me to put it where the sun don't shine for saying that. But just, you know, the reports here, he took himself out of games, et cetera, et cetera. I don't necessarily buy it, but, you know, you look at the way he played, especially last year, he was good when he was in there, but he did struggle at times, he was not the player he's been. And I would love to see Lane slide over left, 
Ronnie play right and have bookends for the next ten years. So I like I like the pick. I do. I think it's smart. You know, maybe it it causes some issues. You know, in the locker room, maybe we trade Peters. I don't know what happens, but I like the pick. I that's what I'm going to say about that. Um, you move on to the number nine pick though here with the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and. Yeah, I think they were definitely hoping to see maybe a guy like Vernon Hargreaves uh, slide through that middle section there, but he didn't. Um, and uh, that being said, you look at some of the players available, I think that offensive line should always be a concern with this team. Um, they overpay for average players, and they haven't had a great success in protecting their quarterbacks over the last few years. But with Ronnie Stanley being swept right before him, I value – is huge to me. You know, I think about me and drafting Dave, obviously, you know how I am about that. I feel like value is a big deal. I feel if you reach for somebody, it's making a mistake. Um, there's nobody here, in my opinion, worth trading up for either. So when I look at it, the pick seems pretty simple to me. Address a need, um, as well as take one of the, one of the be- better players in this draft, so they're lucky to get there. And I'm taking defensive end, or, you know, you can even play inside, but DeForest Buckner out of Oregon here. Um, they need to get some help for Gerald McCoy. They need to get some help so they can free up Levante David, who didn't play quite as well last year. Um, the better the pass rush is, the better the secondary plays. I also feel that secondary is a position they can address later in this draft. It's a very deep position. And I also feel they could do the same thing with offensive line. Um, at this point, I feel like DeVorce Buckner can be a little bit better of a player than the guys behind him at his position. So that's why I break down that selection uh, for the for the Buccaneers at nine overall. Uh, that being said, I'm happy I don't have to pick for this team because I would have a hard time doing what's right. Ah, I'm just kidding. But seriously, though, with the New York Giants on the clock here at 10 overall, Dave, where do you lean for the G-men? Well, it's a team that definitely went, went through a whole bunch of rebuilding in the offseason a whole bunch of, you know, new elements. I think overall, you know, they could go so many different ways. They did a great job. Um, I know they like Ronnie Stanley, but he's off the board. But with – I'm going to go with here is a guy that I think is going to be, you know, a difference maker. I think that he could play right away. And, you know, it's a guy that, you know, is quietly moving up boards and a lot of people don't know that is – hold on. I want to make sure I have it all, all my info on him before I spill it out. I don't want to spill the guts on him is – and this may seem a little bit high, but you'll be surprised what um, people, you know, consider about draft picks that are squeaky clean. You don't have to worry about this kid. You don't have to worry about um, what he's going to do. But I'm going to select Vernon Butler, defensive tackle from Louisiana Tech. Whoa. The first surprise of the draft. Okay, one. The reason I'm doing this is because I have inside information that some of the defensive linemen are not going to be back after this season due to contracts. I've got an inside dude. That's told me that. So now things might change in a year. I understand that. But you're talking about a guy that is 6'3", 323, moves very well, great pass rusher, gets behind in the backfield. I think Butler is a guy that 
is what the Giants' defense is all about. He has more heart than what his talent shows for. I think his heart and ambition will go after that, um, you know, go better, per se, um, going forward. So Victor Butler, I think, is a great fit for the Giants. It's a little bit of a reach, but it's a guy that is quietly moving up draft boards that a lot of people aren't talking about. And I think that he might have a top ten appearance, which I just did. Um, I know it's a little bit of a wow moment, but Victor Butler is right there at tenth overall in the draft. Let's go to the Bears at number eleven with Mr. Joe Klein. That is interesting, and I could also see the Giants doing that because while some years they seem to take you know the guy that makes too much sense, other years they definitely have made some some pretty interesting selections. Um, so I feel like it's the GM's personality as well. I move on to number 11, though, and uh, the Chicago Bears. Interesting team here. I feel like they're set at receiver. They let Matt Forte go, so I feel like they could use a running back. You got Ezekiel Elliott sitting right there, so that's obviously drawing some luster to it. Um, but you also look at uh, the defensive side. You look at John Fox, okay, um, and that's what I want to focus on here is you look at John Fox and his history as a coach and how many times John Fox has taken an offensive player in the first round of the draft. Um, and I will say it is not many. <laughs> so when I look here at the Bears and I look at what's on the board, I look at the needs. There's a lot of interesting aspects. Um, I feel like they can use the pass rusher still, but – do you feel good about taking Shaq Lawson with the medical flags? Do you feel good about taking Kevin Dodd that early? You know, there are some questions to some of the pass rushers you want to look at. Do you feel like a guy maybe like Leonard Floyd fits better? And, again, do you think that he's worth that 11 pick? Uh, then you look at, at offensive line. You could take a Jack Conklin. You could you could slide him in the guard. You can play in that tackle uh, with them returning – Kyle Long back inside. You know, they did make a signing this offseason, but I feel like they still need to shore up that line. Um, so when I look at the board and how everything's shaken out, you know, you've had your surprise pick there with Butler out of Tech, and that was a super interesting pick. But when I look at the, the Bears here and I look at large history of John Fox. I'm going to go with hmm, hmm. If they didn't sign Trevathan, I would honestly probably go Reggie Ragland here um, just because I feel like he would have fit a need in the old school guy that he is. He'd have, he'd have probably done it. Um, but that being said, ooh, mm-hmm. This is a tough one, my man. This is a tough one. Um, going defense, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna surprise. They they've struggled, and I feel like they they want to put up a pairing there. And I just don't want some pass rushers here. I'm gonna go with Eli Apple out of oh. Ohio State. Yes, sir. Cornerback <clears throat> for a couple reasons. I feel like for some teams, Mackenzie Alexander not getting an interception in college raises enough flags to drop him in some teams' eyes. But Apple 
his stock is slowly rising, along with a lot of Ohio State players. And he's one of those guys that can float up and be the second or third defensive back taken. And I think that the Bears, you look at this, you know, the other guy that I was thinking about picking here would have been Eshawn Robinson out of Alabama. Um, but I think that there are they've addressed some pieces on the defensive line in the middle of the defense that you take one of the better corners now, address the defensive line a little bit later here. So that's going to be my surprise. So a little bit early for some people, uh, even a little bit early for me, but you, this is a, a draft that is heavy on the defense and heavy on those prospects. You know, a lot of guys and a lot of GMs will tell you, there's a, in, their, in their mind, there's a handful of guys, you know, that they want to take overall in the first round. Otherwise, you know, a lot of teams, if they could, they'd trade out. Um, so that being said, I don't know, man, just the way everything's shaking out. There's a few other guys that I wish had fallen to me there. But looking at John Fox, I'd say that's the biggest reason. Because Ezekiel Elliott would have been a good pick. Um, you could go Lawson or Dodd. But looking at the coach, looking at the situation here, I went with a cornerback here uh, to pair with Fuller to try and shore up that secondary in what is going to be an aerial assault in that division um, with some of the acquisitions and obviously some of the really good quarterbacks up there. It's always been tough. So they need to get a good corner pairing here to fight that. That being said, uh, if you want to make a comment, you're more than welcome to, but we're going on to the New Orleans Saints on the clock, my man. Uh, New Orleans Saints are definitely an interesting franchise. Um, you know, they've met with a lot of people. Um, the last pick was definitely surprising, but, you know, I – I see the fit. I think it makes a lot of sense. But, you know, a lot of teams are, and this is just, you know, what I've heard, that Cyrus Jones is a hot camaraderie between a lot of different teams. I'm not saying the Saints are going to go that way. I think the Saints are going to continue to build that defense. Um, Offensively, you know, you could go after a guy like Michael Thomas this early. You could get a, a playmaker. But I think they're going to stick to defense. You know, they've been trying to build that defense up because, uh, let's be honest, it's been a laughing stock for the last few years, even with some talent. Uh, this is going to be a surprising pick. And I'm oh, going to go gosh. there. It's not going to be too surprising, but it'll be surprising to the point where it, it might steal the thunder from the next pick with my beloved Miami Dolphins. The New Orleans Saints select. Mackenzie Alexander, corner from Clemson. This is the reason Ooh. I'm saying this. Brandon Browner last year was awful. And I just don't mean bad. He was terrible. And the Saints need some ability in that division. You go, you have Matt Ryan, you have Cam Newton, um, you have a Jameis Winston that's developing in the can. You need this guy for the future. McKenzie Alexander has met with the Saints several times. Uh, they've had some kind of meetings and interaction. I think even if Brandon Barner has a, you know, a more than better year than last year, that McKenzie Alexander eventually is going to be the guy on that that secondary that's going to be good. You've already got Kenny Vaccaro. You've got guys to build around. I think McKenzie Alexander is a perfect pick at this point. Plus, you just stab, Jeff Ireland stabs the heart of Miami Dolphins fans that were considering Alexander at this point. Jeff Ireland gets his revenge. McKenzie Alexander, Clemson, to the Saints. 
the beloved Miami Dolphins at number 13. Hey, Dan Marino, don't forget about that. Number 13 to Joe Klein. Who do you got for my Miami Dolphins? Oh, I got a guest pick here. and wow, Maybe I shouldn't say guest. Oh, sorry, man, if you ever end up watching this. Um, but I pulled out for this pick, my man. I uh, I sent the pick to the boss. And uh, our co-host, Tyler McMullen, uh, gave me his input on pick number 13 here with Miami Dolphins now. He gave me a few names because obviously I didn't know who would be gone. So I asked him to give me a handful of guys and say, you know, if, if not, then this, or if this, then that. And uh, with how everything has shaken out, Dave, you are probably going to be like, you're probably going to be shocked, and you're probably going to be like, what? Are you serious? But the reports that he has found and the things that I also believe um, lead us both to say that this will be arguably, if panned out well, one of the biggest steals in this draft and one of the biggest steals in recent memory. Um, that being said, Miami Dolphins select Jalen Smith, linebacker out of Notre Dame. Um, coming into the draft process before the knee injury and even the few weeks after the knee injury, many people had Jalen Smith as arguably anywhere from one to three as their defensive best defensive prospect coming out of this year's draft and anywhere from one to five overall as top prospects in this draft process. Um, you know, squeaky clean until the, the ACL and CL tear. You know, there were some really negative reports coming out of the combine that, oh, you know, he may never be the same again. He can miss all next year. Um, but as, as he's rehabbed and things have cleared up, there have been medical reports and reports saying that he could actually indeed play this season um, and that it doesn't look like it will threaten his playing career had it not it's not the Marcus Lattimore situation. It was one injury. Lattimore suffered multiple injuries over multiple incidences. Um, as long as Jalen comes back, rehabs well, gets back stronger, he can come back. We've seen players come back from devastating injuries before. Um, if he comes back and he plays to the potential that he had coming into this process, he'll be one of the best players coming out of this process. And that's why when you look at what came available – I'll tell you, Dave, just so you know, his, his first pick was Vernon Hargreaves out of Florida. His second pick was Ronnie Stanley out of Notre Dame. And then after that, he said Jalen, uh, because he likes the corners in round two, otherwise his picks would have been Alexander or Apple at the cornerback position. But with both of those two getting snuck up right before the Dolphins at 13, it led to a pretty wild scenario where uh, – Jalen Smith, linebacker Notre Dame, 13 overall for the Miami Dolphins. Now, that being said, you get to pick the Raiders, Dave, at number 14 overall. I'm just going to jump in quickly for my team. I do like the pick. I like the aggressiveness. And, you know, he's a guy that can come back from this injury and be an instant starter. Linebackers are finally Looking good for the Dolphins. I like it. So, Tyler, uh, wherever you are, uh, good pick. I like it. Definitely some mojo. But let's talk about Oakland Raiders, one of my favorite AFC teams besides the Dolphins, of course. Joe Klein even to me in a Madden to make uh, a franchise from scratch and make this team legit. I do like Oakland. I like what they're doing. And they just really helped themselves to be, you know, 
contenders in the division. But the Oakland Raiders have so many still spots they could use some help. So with that being said, I think the Oakland Raiders are going to go linebacker here. Jordan Jenkins from Georgia, 3-4 outside Whoa. linebacker. Rush Pasher or be an outside stand-up guy. I think they continue to build up that beastly defensive line. They could go Treadwell here. They could go corner here. Um, but with a lot of the big corners off the board, um, they look away from Eli Apple. They don't think he's a good fit. And they will get a linebacker here. And the guy that I think can do both things, not saying he's to Lil Mac because Lil Mac's on he affects the rookie year to be a great player. So with that being said, I'm going to move on to the next pick. And you have the honor of the new Los Angeles Rams. Yes, sir. And uh, it's going to happen, my man. There's a trade alert. Trade alert. I am trading in my trade chip token here at 15 overall. All right. So, the Rams, you know, you, you thought maybe they'd move up for a quarterback. That didn't happen. I found the price to be too expensive, in my opinion, for a team that, after the first two rounds, doesn't have a ton of picks. That being said, with the board shaking out the way it has and the player being available that I want to be available, I am going to conduct a trade between two teams that I control. So, moving up to 15 overall, it's going to be the Minnesota Vikings. That's right. Not the trade that a lot of people have even contemplated happening. They contemplated a Rams trade, but up, not down. And I'm going to move backwards so this team can stockpile assets and hopefully make a move for one of the quarterbacks in the later uh, first to second round. But that being said, my trade constitutes a swap of first-round picks. So the Rams will move back to 23 and the Vikings will move up to 15. However, the Vikings obviously can't move up without a cost. That being said, the Vikings are going to give up pick 118 as well as pick 162 to move up the eight spots as well as a swap with the first round to pick at number 15 overall. They're going to give up a first, a fourth, and a fifth to move up those spots. Now, at 15 overall, I'm going to go directly to Ole Miss wide receiver Laquan Treadwell. And this pick, to me, makes sense for a few reasons. One, the Vikings were quietly effective in free agency. They addressed the offensive line. They re-signed all their safeties. They brought Terrence Newman back in. They were very effective in free agency. They let Mike Wallace go, shedding that cap space and ineffective player in that offense. Now, a lot of the players on this team are, at the wide receiver position, some more athletic players. So adding a guy like Mike Wallace just really to me just added one more of the same. You look at a guy like Laquan Dreadwell, and he's going to be that big-bodied outside receiver that's going to move the chains, as Tyler would say. He's going to get your third down conversions. He's going to be a volume target. And for a guy like Teddy Bridgewater and this team that needs to take the next step, 
a dominant receiver to pair up with the younger guys on this team is necessary. And I think that getting a guy like Laquan Treadwell, being able to give up some later, you know, mid-round picks to move up is definitely worth it for a team like the Rams who can also collect some picks in rounds that they don't have. When to them, you know, a guy like Paxton Lynch doesn't make sense. Granted, they could take Laquan Treadwell, but they may be hot on some other players at this point. So, to me, it made too much sense uh, to not try to make a move for the Vikings to acquire what they feel is the best wide receiver in this draft to really try to capitalize on that strong NFC North finish last year for them. So, 15 overall, Vikings trade up. Again, give up 118 and give up 162 to the Rams to get Ole Miss wide receiver Laquan Treadwell. That being said, you move 16 now, Dave, where you control the fate of the Detroit Lions. Uh, Detroit, what a wonderful team. Uh, there's a little bird out there that says that Luke Lewis is legit. Um, no one will ever do that joke except Joe and maybe Tyler if he, he picked up on that for the last few years. Uh, Luke Lewis is my Madden quarterback. For anyone who wants to know, he's the poster boy of all quarterbacks. Um, the Lions have a lot of different needs, and, you know, they really, really need so many different things. You could go defense here, get defensive linemen, Ndamukong Sue, losing him hurt. Nagata is on his decline as a pro. He He's still good, but he's not like he once was. You could go offensive linemen, Joe – Correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like every other year the Lions are looking at some kind of offensive lineman in the first few rounds, unfortunately. Oh, absolutely. Um, they haven't had a guy to protect um, Matthew um, Stafford, I think, who is definitely a good quarterback. He just doesn't get enough credit. But the guy I'm going with here, we're going to help Matt Stafford this time around. Um, you could go different, a whole bunch of different ways, but I'm going to go with strong – Ox, Jack Cochran from Michigan State, guy that's strong as hell, can play the run, which the Lions seem to be, you know, building around this run game. Megatron's gone. You're going to have to rely a little bit on it. Golden Tate, he is a good receiver, but he's not that number one dude. I think he can be the number one. But I think they're going to build that offensive line up. Jack is a guy that, you know, he stays nearby. He doesn't go very far at all. Um, Michigan State alumni, the Spartan, goes straight up the street to Detroit to protect Matthew Stafford, the guy that's trying to find an identity after losing Megatron. Let's go down to Atlanta, and let's go to see what Joe has for the Atlanta Falcons at 17. Oh, man, Atlanta Falcons and Dan Quinn. I love Dan Quinn. I think he's a great coach. And uh, I think that, obviously, he's started at points to focus on building on this this defense and and we expected him to approach guys and, and try to go after guys like Bruce Irvin and this didn't happen. It was kind of surprising. So you look at some possibilities here. You got guys like Shaq Lawson on the board. You've got a Kevin Dodd on the board. There are some some pass rushers available which we all know Atlanta has needed some pass rushers over the last few seasons. So that's definitely a pick to look at, but they did just take, you know, Lawson and Dodd's teammate Vin Beasley last year. Um, so you got to look at whether or not that's something you do or don't 
want to do here. Uh, you look at corner, I think that also was a potential position of need. But, again, like Dave said about Oakland, you see some of the bigger guys and bigger names off the board. You're not really, excuse me, you're not really comfortable taking one of the corners at this point here at 17 overall. So looking at the board, I'm going to go with a defensive need, and I feel value, everything, all comes together in one beautiful package for once for Atlanta, and they're going to draft Alabama linebacker Reggie Ragland. Uh, I think he's going to slide immediately as a starter right into inside linebacker, give them the thumper that they need, the enforcer, the the defensive captain, the guy in the middle that will lead this unit. Um, just makes too much sense to me. I think that a pass rusher could still be very much in play with some of the guys that are available on the board. Uh, but I'm going to go with linebacker Reggie Ragland here, 17 overall. That being said, that's going to lead us, Dave, to you. And then Indianapolis Colts at 18 overall who are in a unique position this year. So what, what, are, what are you thinking? Um, you know, Indianapolis has a lot of different positions that they definitely need to attend to. But the key thing you need to do, protect Andrew Luck. I mean, it's not even, um, you know, a game. You've got to protect Andrew Luck. So with that being said, I'm just going to go straight into it. A guy that, you know, is extremely polished, gave up two sacks and 400 snaps. Jason Spriggs from Indiana uh, doesn't go oh, far. Wow. Uh, offensive lineman, 6'6", 315, great pass, um, pass blocker, great protector. They need that guy to boost that offensive line, and I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be solid for the next 10 years. Jason Spriggs from Indiana. We are going down to Buffalo. Let's see what you do for my division rival. It was really interesting to go Spriggs over Decker. I like it, though. Um, you look at the Bills, they let a lot of depth go out this offseason, uh, notably on the defensive side of the football. Um, I don't think any QB here is worth taking for them like uh, – Doug Willie has talked about. I don't think that, you know, there are some wide receivers here that I think they could they could and should look at, but they won't. Um, so that being said, I think they're going to look to address some of the defensive depth. You'll watch a guy like um, Mario Williams walk out. You saw some corners leave. You saw some linebackers leave. So there's, there's a lot of different positions here that I could address, and that's what makes this pick – all the more difficult to be completely honest with you. Um, I I like Rex Ryan. And I like what Rex Ryan does, and I want to put. He may be a little bit raw. He may not be completely polished, but he's a freak of an athlete. Um, maybe it's a surprise here, but I'm going to go Emmanuel Agba out of Oklahoma State here, uh, defensive and edge player. Um, I think he can come in and be a a situational pass rusher, uh, learn under Rex Ryan, you know, one of the best defensive minds in the game, try to replace that Mario Williams. We all know that the pass rush makes every level of your defense better in the, in the passing game and when it comes to defense. And putting an absolutely insane athlete in the hands of Rex Ryan here, um, I think he just – Makes a little bit more sense than going with a guy with maybe some medical risks like Shaq Lawson. And I like Kevin Dodd just a little bit later, not right now. Um, so that being said, I'm going to go Emmanuel Agba, PEOK State. That leads into 
What? Oh, I'm saying interesting pick. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I thought yours was 218. This has been interesting. I like it, though. It just shows how we think so much differently um, and think so much differently than the draft pundits. But that being said, you're lining up for the Jets here at number 20 overall, my man, and uh, there's some pretty big names still available. So I'm super interested to see where you go here. Uh, I, I hate to make this pick because, you know, I, I despise the Jets with everything in my being, but I'm going to be fair to you. You're going to get a replacement. You had, um, you know, just so many different things go wrong. The pass first needs help, and you need a talented guy. Um I'm thinking a guy that's going to quiet down. Um, Todd Bowles has been a great guy, defensive mind. And you're going to continue on that trip, and you're going to pick up Noah Spence from Eastern Kentucky. Get a guy Whoa. that can play. A guy that could be like Khalil Mack, but he won't. Um, I think that he can be a difference maker right away. Noah Spence is a guy that they've looked at very much under the microscope so many different times. And I think this is where the New York Jets go if Noah Spence is still here. So with the 20th overall pick, Noah Spence goes to the New York Jets, and now Ryan Tannehill has to run for his life. Let's go to Washington and see what Joe has for the Washington Redskins. Oh, I'm going to shock you, maybe. But with how this board has fallen, oh, man, let me just really make sure that this is not about to happen because it's honestly going to make me kind of sick. I really hope this doesn't happen. Checking the board. All right, pretty easy pick here. Running back uh, Ezekiel Elliott on Ohio State University. They let Alfred Morris go. Matt Jones is not going to be a three-down running back that's going to be better than Alfred Morris was. I'm sorry, but he's just not, um, in my opinion. He doesn't have the motor. He doesn't have the stamina. Um, He's not a dual threat. He struggles all on the football. They showed that, and they showed that by having such an inconsistent amount of splitting carries last year. Uh, you look at the board, you look at who's available. Yes, defensive interior lineman would definitely be the, the pick if what some say is the best offensive prospect in the draft wasn't sitting there for them. It gives Kirk Cousins a running back out of the backfield <laughs> that can catch the ball, a dominant running back again since the days of Clinton Portis. Yay. Elliott, 21. Oh my gosh. I don't even. Yeah, and I thought I just, as I said his name, I just realized that that's not a half bad comparison. Um, I don't like that, and I really hope that doesn't happen. You have the Texans at 22 overall, my man. 22 overall. The Texans could go so many different ways here. They need a receiver to pair with DeAndre Hopkins. Um, a lot of people like Corey Coleman here that's been, you know, speculated across the board, the Baylor speed. I'm going to go with a big target here. I think that Newt Hopkins is obviously Newt Hopkins. He's everything well. But I'm going to go with Josh Jackson. No. Big wide receiver, 6'3", 200 pounds. Um, little inside information. I sent out a scouting report to the Patriots with this guy. And I got a reply back from the scouts, and they gave me some feedback. I like this guy like Sidney Rice, a guy that can go up and get the ball. He's going to create mismatches, mismatches, golly, I can't talk to mismatches all the way throughout the field and create more opportunities for new Hopkins. And that's where I think the Houston Texans will go. Josh Jackson from TCU at number 22 overall. We're going to 
Um, who do we have? The Rams. The Rams. Rams are on the call. Yes, sir. All right, so that was a total bummer because my entire my move was so close to working out. It was so close. They were going to take a big-bodied receiver for once. But with you taking Josh Jackson, I'm going to have to go with wide receiver Corey Coleman out of Baylor here. The Rams get what they want still in a receiver. They move back for a guy that a lot of people already say, including, um, let me take a look, Charles Davis and Daniel Jeremiah of NFL.com. I think you can go with them at 15 overall. I dropped them back eight selections and select the same player in Corey Coleman out of Baylor. Yes, he's a speedster like the other guys, but he's got better size. Um, hopefully he can break the trend of Baylor receivers not translating to the NFL other than Josh Gordon, but he can stay out of trouble. So I I think this pick is pretty easy for the Rams here. Um, I wanted Josh Jackson, though. I'll be completely honest with you. I won't lie. That being said, we got the Cincinnati Bengals on the clock with wide receiver as a need and then just watching a run on some of the best ones. So where do you go with the Bengals at number 24 overall? Well, the Bengals are definitely a team that <laughs> definitely want a wide receiver to pay, pair with A.J. Green, obviously a superstar. Um, you know, they want Josh Jackson. They want Corey Coleman. But they can't have him. They're going to have to go a different direction at this point in the draft. So, you know, with that being said, I think that they're going to surprise some people here. I think that they're going to continue to build something up. Um, They're going to go defensive line here. And the reason I say this, not because, you know, the defensive line is bad, but I think they're going to go with a guy like Shelton Rakins from Louisville defensive tackle, um, not only tells you that Pico is starting to fade out and their defensive line is a little bit, you know, chipped up. You know, Geno Atkins, yes, Geno Atkins is the real deal. But you bring in a guy like, you know, Raykins who can, you know, fill that gap, fill some more blockers, give Atkins more opportunities to get sacks. This is why I think Cincinnati will go here, particularly things didn't go right for them um, with, you know, getting the guy they wanted. So that's, with that being said, I know it's a little bit surprised that they didn't get a playmaker. I think they'll go a little bit later to get some guys. Let's go to the Pittsburgh Steelers with the 25th overall pick. Who do you got, Joe? This is an interesting one. There are some pass rushers available that you wouldn't naturally expect to be available. Um, but – uh, to me, you look at a pressing need for this team for all too long, and they can't continue to ignore it. They can't, they can't, they can't. Ooh, actually, you know what? No. I'm changing my pick at the last second. I made my pick while you made your pick. I'm changing it to address a need that they failed to lock down in their own house. I'm going to go offensive lineman Taylor Decker here. You know, granted, he may be better suited as a guard or even a right tackle, they let Kelvin Beecham go. They didn't address any portion of the offensive line. Um, cornerback is deep enough to be able to tra- address with still some, some solid success chances in the second round. I think Decker is one of the last few linemen with you taking Spriggs at 18 before you drop off a little bit there. So I'm going to switch it up, actually. We'll take offensive lineman Taylor Decker, uh, Ohio State University for the Pittsburgh Steelers at 25 overall. We've got about 12 minutes left, guys. We're going to round out the rest of this first-round mock draft. It has been pretty awesome, and honestly, 
way different than than I expected. This has been pretty wicked. Uh, we're going to give us a call. We got seven one four three 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 zero two toll free. Or give us a shout out on Facebook, facebook.com backslash the official direct snap as well as Twitter at direct underscore snap. Don't forget, guys. The end of the broadcast, I'm going to be posting the results of this live mock draft on our Facebook page uh, to break down. We want to get some comments, see what you guys think. Um, definitely pretty awesome. We're going to go to 26 overall, though, Dave, with a little bit less than 10 minutes left, man. we got to chug through the last six picks here. we got some time, though. You've got the Seattle Seahawks sitting at 26 overall. You know, Seattle Seahawks are a great team. They know how to find talent. They know how to do this. But let's go offensive line here. Um, a guy that I think they kind of honed in on, I think that they like a lot, is a guy that I personally like a lot. He's one of my favorite guys in the draft. Is Cody Whitehair from Kansas, uh, you know, a guy, Kansas State, excuse me, a guy that's solid, a guy that has great pass protection, a guy that can run block. A guy that's going to be solid right away. You don't have to worry about him, you know, having that, you know, wall. I think he's going to start right away. Offensive line, continue to protect Russell Wilson, your prized investment. That's where I think Seattle is going to go offensive line at this point in the draft. Uh, Joe has the Kansas City Chiefs, or no, Green Bay Packers, excuse me, with the 27th overall pick. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, I look at here, I think about the Packers. They seem to ignore inside linebacker all the time, um, but Reggie Ragland is gone. Uh, they addressed cornerback. They uh, Their line is okay, and most of the better offensive linemen are now gone. Um, they're still pretty set at running back, wide receiver. So what do you get a team that has so few needs? Well, gee, it just so happens that a guy named B.J. Raji happened to have retired. And with our current draft, there is a – stock of interior linemen available, and I'm going with what is my favorite interior lineman this year, and that's Sean Robinson out of Alabama. He can be a versatile lineman for them, but he can step in right away and fill the shoes of B.J. Raji from day one, and I think that's a huge thing for the, for the Green Bay Packers and Ted Thompson always builds through the draft. He could just draft himself a replacement that will be able to play right away. So that's my pick for number 27 overall for the Green Bay Packers. You, my friend, have the Kansas City Chiefs setting a 28 overall again. There's a lot of guys on the board that we haven't taken. Um, where are you leading? Well, you know, there's a lot of things that the the Chiefs could go. They could go pass rush here, but I'm going to go corner. I think there's a guy that is moving up draft towards pass rush and you and I can talk, and that's Xavier Howard from Baylor Corner. Sean Smith goes free agency. He needs someone to pair for the future with Marcus Peters. Howard is 6'2", 200 pounds. He runs about a 4'4". Great cover skills, great man, ball skills. I think he would be a great pair for Marcus Peters, who seems to be the next big corner. So the Kansas City Chiefs select a corner in the draft and get Howard from Baylor. So Very nice. With the now we're at the 29th pick with the Arizona Cardinals and Joe Klein. Yes, sir. And uh, this is an interesting one here. Um, Cardinals are pretty well stocked at starters, so here it's either BPA or or take a risk or 
you know, what what the, the Cardinals really have an opportunity to do just about anything here. A lot of people like them to take Robert Kimbichi. I don't. I don't like them to do that. I don't like the risk. I don't know. Even if Arians give guys second chances, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, I could see them going for a corner. I could see them going for a lot of things. Um, to be completely honest, one of the things I want to do is take Andrew Billings from Baylor. But I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to do something, and I'm going to call it an insurance policy. An insurance policy slash something that could pay dividends in numerous, numerous ways, depending on how everything plays out. This team just traded for Chandler Jones, as we all know, Dave. And uh, Chandler Jones is going on the last year of his deal. So they could even be getting a one-year rental on him. So why not take a guy who's fallen a lot farther than you thought, who could be one of the better pass rushers in the draft, especially given time to get healthy, not have to worry about it. Will with defensive end Shaq Lawson out of Clemson. He's a guy that they can take the time to let him wait out his medical issues. They can take their time putting him on the field, use him as a rotational pass rusher this year. If they can't sign Chandler Jones to a long-term deal, they have Shaq Lawson. If they do, they can pair him, or at some point one of them becomes expendable and becomes resources down the road. So to me, you look at the abilities the Cardinals have in this draft to be able to kind of do that with this pick, Shaq Lawson seems like a pretty good value to me at 29 overall. All right, two picks left, guys, less than, less than five minutes to go here. I'm going to give us a shout, 714-333-3302. Uh, we got two more picks here to round out the first round because those <clears> – <throat> Cheating Patriots lost their first round pick. So we've got the Carolina Panthers on the clock here at 30 overall. Well, you know, earlier I mentioned something about getting a corner, but there's a guy sitting there that they brought in for a private workout that, you know, they would be more than thrilled if he was still on the board at this point. And Joe, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, it's been a long knock and I haven't been writing it down, probably like you. Um, but is Kevin Dodd still on the board? Yes, sir, he is. Well, Kevin Dodd's coming off the board right now at 30th overall to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, you know, Charles Johnson had took a step back last year. Jared Allen retires, Wes Horton. Um, you know, all these guys are developing guys or, you know, they're retired, they're declining, but they need their next guy. Kevin Dodd's the guy. He's got great length, great size, um, ferocious pass rushing ability, chases down the quarterback. It's a guy that you need in this division, Drew Brees, um, Matt Ryan, Jameis Winston. It's a guy you're going to need for the future. They upgrade their pass rush in the first round. The Carolina Panthers get Kevin Dodd from Clemson, back-to-back Clemson players. That's pretty interesting there. Um, (laughs) Let's go with the Super Bowl champs, 31st overall. Joe Klein wraps up our mock draft. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We have made our way to the Denver Broncos here. And the Broncos have a ton of needs. They bled out in free agency, unfortunately for them. Um, you look at guys, you know, a couple names, obviously, we haven't called tonight so far in the first round. Um, one of them being a guy like Paxton Lynch. Um, some of them being some of the linemen that we've seen, like Andrew Billings, like Robert Kimdichi, you know, uh, some receivers like Will Fuller. Uh, they're there are a lot of guys that, or combine standout Darren Lee did not end up in the first round of our draft because we don't overvalue the combine um, because we're smart. Um, 
But a guy like again, even uh, Leonard Floyd didn't even end up making it out of the first round here. A guy who was likely to see that way. Um, but when I look at who's available, interior lineman is definitely still a possibility here for me. But I look at the fact that Mark Sanchez is penciled in as my starting quarterback with limited competition, and that scares the crap out of me. However, I am not leaning with Paxton Lynch. Um, I like Lynch, but I think he's a little bit farther away pro-ready than some of the other guys. I think he has to sit for a year no matter what. Um, I think a guy that, you know, granted he hurt his stock in a lot of ways with his personality, but going to a strong-willed team with a strong-willed GM who's a Hall of Fame quarterback might do him some good. So I'm going to round out the first round with one last quarterback and Connor Cook from Michigan State going to the Denver Broncos to compete right away with Mark Sanchez for a starting job. I think Cook has potential and he has the ability to be a starting serviceable quarterback in the NFL. I think he can be better than Mark Sanchez, and that's exactly why I take him here at 31 overall. Uh, Dave, real quick, a quick synopsis. We didn't leave ourselves a ton of time. Um, but when you look at our draft, what what stood out to you or what pick really kind of just blew your mind? Well, I'm going to brag on myself. I think the, the Butler pick was a little bit high. A lot of people, you know, don't know about Butler, unfortunately. I think he's a, a very polished prospect that a lot of people don't know about. And then, you know, I'm just, you know, I think there's a few other picks that just stood out. Um, I'm trying to go through our list right now. Um, there's a lot of great talent going in the second round uh, that's still there. Uh, yeah. It's hard to say under a minute that, you know, there's picks that surprise me, but I'm going to brag on myself a little bit saying that Butler is a little bit of a surprise to the Bears at 10 overall. I like that. For me, that was definitely a surprise. Taking Apple was a little bit higher than I expected to take him personally. Um but looking at the draft, two of the things that stood out to me is, one, like you said, a lot of talent going into the next round. Um, you and I felt that, you know, we just feel a little bit differently about some of the guys that are seen as locked first-rounders. Um, you and I definitely pushed some of those guys off in the second round. Seeing Ezekiel Elliott fall the Redskins absolutely terrifies me. I really hope something like that doesn't happen. Um, but maybe next week, maybe we hit you in the second round from what we've done tonight. I don't know. We'll talk about it, though. The only way you'll know to keep tabs on our Facebook page. So keep a look at facebook.com backslash the official direct snap. But as for the show, we'll be back next Thursday, same time, same place, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time with my boy David West to keep talking about nothing but the NFL draft. So for you folks who are the awesome fans, we wish you a good night.